You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. Greetings, Earthlings. And Alan Seiler. Greetings, Earthlings. I couldn't think of anything else. <laughs> Original. <laughs> and up right. <laughs> and Veronica's not here yet. She's going to be joining us in progress tonight. She's uh, on her way home. So now, everyone, I told her. Be real quiet when you come in and don't cause a ruckus. Yes. So we're, we're all, we'll all find out together how successful Veronica can do that. Does, does the dog bark when she comes home? The dog is very excited when she comes home. So yeah, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of, a lot of commotion. I expect. So we'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, welcome back. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Good. How are awesome. you? I'm doing pretty well. Awesome. Do we have some news this week. Yes, we do. So the big news is that apparently, okay, everybody knows the the website Den of Geek. Apparently, there's a Den of Geek magazine. Who knew? And they have interviewed Terry Metalis about Star Trek Picard season three, and he has um, he has like let a few little nuggets come out. I don't want to be too spoilery, so this is very very general. And actually, he didn't say anything specific at all. Um, basically, there is going to be some tie in not only with Next Generation, but with Voyager and with DS9 as well. And he has mentioned before, like made little hints that there that we would see legacy characters from those two shows other than Worf and Seven. But um, it looks like this is going to be a little bit more specific and particularly Worf's backstory leading up into uh, season three has a lot to do with the fallout from the dominion war and that the fallout from the dominion war plays a part in the plot of season three, which I'm super excited about. Yeah. And he says, um, quote, I just felt like Picard season three needed to feel like it fit into this universe. It was very important to me first and foremost, that it treads new ground but also feel like a continuation of the stories and arcs set up 30 years ago. There's a fine line between fan service and just honoring the universe that you're in. So I just went full tilt at the things that mattered to me. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So he seems really keen on just continuous continuing the legacy of those 24th century shows, which yes, I, I would love. And he said he wants to continue after Picard with, I mean, there's so many characters. There's so many things. It's so you can much do. backstory. You just, right. just keep it going. Right. And he said that if if he could have, he would have called this season Star Trek Legacies. Mm. And but it, 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 the the story does still focus on the character of Picard. Right. But that it's telling a much bigger story. Mm. So it's going to be interesting to see. The only other news really from this week is just the continuation of this stupid feud between Shatner and Takai. And we're not going to get into that because it's dumb. And Takai called him a cantankerous old man. And he called Takai, I forget what he said, like 
something anyway. And it's just stupid. And I'm just not going to give them any time <laughs> on the show because they're both being dumb, dumb heads. Now it makes me think like someday it'll just be the last two survivors of the TOS crew. Just exactly. Locked in eternal battle. Like, and let that be your last battlefield. <laughs> yes, exactly. It'll be like, it'll be like Kirk and, um, what you call it? Con. Right. Right. I stab at thee. I spit at thee. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, we can only hope that it'll be that good and that dramatic. <laughs> two comments in reverse order. Um, I think that it is entirely likely that William Shatner was an irritant. Uh, he himself said he doesn't have a lot of friends, like real real life friends. And I can and I know for a fact that he counted pages. He counted script pages because Leonard Nimoy came out as the most popular guy. He got yep. significantly more fan mail. All that being said, I agree with what you guys are saying. At this point and at this age, George, yeah. let it go. Nope. We know this. We have prima donnas. We have people who are arrogant. Yeah. If you go back yeah. and look at the history of Hollywood, my God, some of the greatest actors and actresses of all time were, were not very good people. And I'm not saying Shatner's not a very good person, but one thing I will say is he doesn't spend as much time talking about everybody else. Then people would say, well, of course, because you were the guy. So I agree with you, uh, Alan. It's just, it's just sad. Just, just leave it alone. Because everybody yeah. loves George, and he could he could have, I think, an even better platform if he would stop this this part yeah. of it. Yeah, I think part of it too. I mean, I'm sure there's real animosity there, and there has been for sure. years. But at the same yeah. time, these are two guys who are very practiced and very adept at keeping their names in the headlines. Yeah, and, yeah, and show true. business for a long time. So I mean, <laughs> throw throw a barb at the other one in an interview, and you're on the front page again. Right. Yeah, and then. And then the comment on the other, the first news item you did, Alan, I think it's what else but DS9 would be the best to extend and continue a story like that. You know, one of the mm -hmm. things we always talked about with Star Trek is what happened after. You want to know what happened after. And I think DS9 and the Dominion War is one of the best stories. And it also gives us a great chance to integrate some stuff and talk about that question people asked, which was, we know why practically, why was the Federation flagship not central in the Dominion War? And we know why and all the little side stuff they said. But of course, since they couldn't film both shows at the same time and add them, that's always a big question. So I think it's kind of cool to take the TNG characters and bring them into that DS9 Dominion War uh, mm. story. That, I think yeah. that's a great idea. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And that we is... should give a, sh a shout out to our, we've got a Facebook user who is not displaying your name, Facebook user, but you're the first to comment and we're glad that you're here with us live. It must and... be Keith's friend, from Dallas. That's yeah. yeah. Hey, well, welcome. I'm glad you're with us tonight. What's up, What's up brother? How you doing? <laughs> we all waited for him to answer like he's going to answer. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Keith, do we have some This Week in Trek this week? Yeah, we got a couple of things. One of them um, was super important. On uh, the 27th of November, 1964, which I think is kind of amazing because in March 11th of 1964 was, um, I'm sorry, 1967, um, 1966. First day what? filming. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm sorry, that's me. I'm re reading my own writing. <laughs> the 27th of November was the first day of filming of The Cage. Yes. Now, here's a really wild thing. I guess this makes sense, but it also kind of pertains to what some people kind of didn't like about the cage. Can you guess the very first scene ever filmed in a Star Trek uh, series was? Was the very first scene of the cage that was filmed? I'm going to make a guess. Oh, you know the answer? You go ahead. 
Oh, my, my guess is not serious. Oh. I'm going to say <laughs> the very first thing that was ever shot was the women. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to say the transporter room because I've seen the clapperboard photo of the first day of filming. Oh, yeah. And it was Spock in the transporter room. So there you go, saying the women. Actually, the very first scene filmed, oh. according to what I got from the track site, and we got to sure. check this. You're probably right. right. Go ahead. Was Pike in his quarters with Dr. Boyce lamenting about if he still wanted to be a starship captain? Interesting. Well, okay. Yeah. That's a great start. I mean, yeah, yeah. that sets the tone for the whole piece. Yeah. Yeah. And, absolutely. And Interesting comment, Alan, because what, what some people who don't love Jeffrey Hunter in the cage say was the Jeffrey Hunt, the Captain Pike, who was kind of down, low on energy, depressed, thinking about leaving Starfleet, was a contrast to the both Captain Kirk and William Shatner, who bounded onto the stage with incredible energy. So and for those, I mean, that's that's uh, unfair, though. I agree. Because that's they're coming to it. They're coming to it from a completely different perspective. They're coming to from having seen Kirk and then seeing, you know, rather than Hunter being the first thing that you get. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I agree with you. And, I, and I, I like it. But there are those who those who really don't yeah, like well. they're, they're kind of like, well, you know, that was a it was a weird thing. Shatner comes in with a Kirk who is gang is gung ho. And Pike comes um, Hunter comes in with, with a captain who's a little bit doubtful. But that was the story. And I love the story. So mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, another one on the 28th of November. This is significant. We're getting up for a reason. First day of filming, 1966, 28th November, 1966. First day of filming of Tomorrow is Yesterday. Oh, wow. Hmm. And I think you guys know, but of course, that was the episode where the um, Enterprise goes back in time and meets Captain mm-hmm. Christopher and captures the uh, U.S. Air Force pilot. It has a really funny comedy bit. But you know what the connection of that is to another show in the first season, right? To the Naked Time. That's the one. Yep. But that the yeah, originally it was planned to be a two-parter, and then they they didn't do that. But they both used the sort of light speed breakaway factor: one on a dying mm. planet, one around a black star, and then the sun to travel through time. Right. And I always yeah. thought that. What do you What do you guys think would have been if they had maybe done the Naked Time as a two-parter? You think that would have worked, or the, you like it better way? <laughs> I like the I like it the way it is. Yeah. I mean, what, what if, if it one doesn't make any sense to. What is it, Keith? Huh? What's the show? What's the episode? <laughs> oh, the naked time. <laughs> okay, sorry. Mr. South Florida. The, 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 yeah, my Texas anyway, accent. Sometimes the naked, and that feels unnatural. <laughs> the naked time. Oh, and if you're if you're in our Facebook group, our friend Matt Sweatman has been doing a daily ranking of the first season of Star Trek and just yes. recently commented on this episode. It's been delightful to watch and it's a lot of fun to follow along with. So if you're listening to this and you're not in our Facebook group, come check it out. Matt's been putting a lot of work into that and it's and it's been fantastic. Okay, Matt. Yeah, well, although his rankings are really weird so far. <laughs> I, I okay, gotta, Matt. I, gotta... I see I see you up there at naked time, Matt. That's right, man. <laughs> and, and the last thing I thought this is rather significant, too. On the 29th of November, 1965, the score was submitted for the episode where No Man Has Gone Before, scored by Alexander Courage. Cool. Oh, wow. Yes. That's and of, cool. And, of course, as any Star Trek fan knows, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but I honestly feel this way. The music in the original series is still the best track music I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's the fact that they reuse so much of it yeah. so much that it literally is natural to me. 
And some of the best music in Trek is in that original, is that that episode where No Man Has Gone Before. And it's you can still hear it without the rest of the series. So I thought that was a pretty significant thing. Awesome. Yeah, that's well, good stuff. All right. Well, thank you for that. And so yeah. if you're listening to the audio podcast, we're going to take a quick break and promote a fellow ESO Network podcast show. But stay right there because we'll be right back with our discussion topic. Like podcasts? Then you're gonna hate Thunder Talk. Tasteless subject matter. Mature humor. Contempt for our co-hosts. Unapologetic social views. Edgy music. And total irreverence for the nerd junk we love. Are all reasons why no one. No one. No one should listen to Thunder Talk. Find us on the ESO Network. And all podcasting platforms. Or don't. Whatever. going to talk tonight about the pop culture of the star trek universe and i've tried several different ways of phrasing that to make it clear <laughs> and i've not succeeded we're talking about the the pop culture of the future the pop culture that's present in the, the 22nd 23rd 24th 32nd centuries yeah. uh, because we often don't see that we often see yeah. them watching shakespeare you know, listening to jazz recordings, yes. you know, things like that. Yep. You know, we, we don't often see what the contemporary culture of the time is. Um, so go ahead. It, it's funny that you bring that up, too, because in tonight's episode that we're going to be talking about later, we get a Chopin piece. That's right. That's right. Yes, I know. And I made a note of that. <laughs> of course, they don't have anything from their own time that they listen to because you got yeah. Chopin. Yeah, well, like, is there a top 40 station on in the Federation? You know, like, what, what are the hits? <laughs> right. And you know, it's, it's funny. I made a note of that because in my, in my real life, in my personal life, I don't work well with quiet music. Like, mm. I do IT stuff and all this kind of stuff. I don't put on jazz and stuff. I put on Rush and Def Leppard. Rush? And yeah. And so even though I don't like the use of the Beastie Boys and the Abrams movies just because it's not... I, I don't I'm not in love with them. It would be kind of interesting to see a starship captain when you go into a ready room, they're just blasting rock music while they're like doing <laughs> battle plans or something. Right. Or something yeah, like yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I was I was thinking about it and in, in trying to come up with examples. And we've got a comment from Elaine Sweatman saying, I yeah. just said that about Chopin. And but I was thinking the the earliest example I could think of of sort of something that was not a reference to now, something it, it was still a references being old at the time was the poem nightingale woman and where no man has gone before that when when kirk oh, recites yeah. a poem he doesn't yeah. recite something from earth he recites something from space yeah and i thought that's interesting <laughs> <laughs> well from another planet space poetry um, but then after that um i mean the the, the first thing that i that i mean that wasn't contemporary that was something that he was mm -hmm. reciting an, an older poem but so but something like beyond antares may well have been contemporary the song that uhura was singing Yes, exactly. Uh, the deck. Exactly. Is that, is that the one with the refrain "Where my heart is"? Yes. Where? Oh, I love that. That because that's that's when what's his name was getting poisoned, right? While she was singing to him. <laughs> in the, in the <laughs> right, conscious yeah, of the king, the Riley. Of the king. Yep. Yeah. Um, Somebody's got like but, that 20th century a spray bottle poisoning Riley. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so we're looking for examples like that. So conscious of the king, a good example, because the conscious of the king, they're watching yes. Shakespeare. But then you also have Uhura singing a song that we don't know. A song yes. that's not, at least not from our time. It it could be from now. I mean, it could be from the near future. It could be from the far future. We're not sure. 
That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. I mean, and I think, you know, that you know, the classics are going to continue because they've continued for us. But I agree. Mm-hmm. You think there would be some more original stuff. Only I can think of one that was, well, you know, I got to go here. I'm jumping for it really fast. But um, heading out to Eden. Yeah, that's <laughs> that right. A, Yay, brother. That, that's, a, that's an original <laughs> composition. <laughs> and it's supposed to be contemporary for that time. Even yeah. though it's, it's, you know, it's 60s hippie stuff, it's supposed to be contemporary in that century. That's yeah. supposed to be their culture. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that gives you a look at what's going on in the Federation. I mean, they had... Mm-hmm their own hippies and their own Herberts, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So, I mean, what other examples can we think of, um, of things that are, are contemporary to the Star Trek future? I mean, we get a lot of times where they're just referencing people who are composers. I was going to um, say right. the same thing. Planets. Yeah. 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 You get names thrown in mm-hmm. when, then they'll say Beethoven, Mozart, Shostakovich, and some Vulcan dude. You know, right. Or they'll right. make some. Well, and, and another one that I can think of is oh, I can't remember the title. It, it's somebody and Milota, you know, the <laughs> Klingon opera that the four armed lady was doing a scene from in right. that bar in Gambit. I, exactly and Milota. I, I wish I could remember the full title. Yeah. yeah, that was another kind of you're right. That was another kind of an original composition from that time. Contemporary music of Klingon opera. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so we know that, I mean, they, like they have, they would have scenes on Deep Space Nine where they're talking about Vulcan composers, or they're That's talking right. about Bajoran music. You know, so we know that there's at least an, an active, an art scene going on. You know, in in, in the Federation. Then, fortunately, the people we're following are educated people, so they they listen to a lot of classic stuff. But you know, they're yes. also commenting on things that are going on in their time. Right. So, and of course, here's the thing: you're. It's easier to do something that exists than it is to like make up something that doesn't exist, like new mm-hmm. stuff. And the reason that you that you always hear opera or jazz instead of rock music, of course, is because of cost. You would have to license a rock song. So there's two components right. to this. There's the song itself and the mm-hmm. recording of the song. Mm-hmm. And it's two separate expenses. Right. Um, if you're talking about classical, classical is in the public domain. Mm-hmm. And since you have an orchestra that's already recording the score for the uh, show, you just have them record a little Mozart piece or Mm -hmm. something instead of licensing a recording of a Mozart piece. Right. Or pulling from the Paramount vault of of stock music that they already own. Sure. And then with jazz, you can just hire a a combo to like improvise something. So you Mm -hmm. aren't paying for an actual composition or anything. Right. Yeah. And I mean, there's there's a lot of things in Star Trek where it it, it doesn't date well, right? And that's one thing right. that you avoid by not yeah. coming up with a fake future thing is it doesn't exactly. feel like space eighties when you're watching exactly next gen, you know? exactly right. And a lot of, a lot Absolutely. of shows fall into that where it's space eighties, you know, or space seventies. Right. It's Battlestar Galactica and and right. Buck Rogers would have that sort Buck of Buck Rogers in the twenty fifth century. You're right. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> You're right. And I, and, and I would agree because in some ways, a lot of the aspects of the original series, even like the men's haircuts with that short kind of military haircut, 
that those haircuts go through any century. But if you look at, say, TNG with the with mullets that people kind of sort of had, they kind of the, 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 the long hair sometimes it dates it. So I agree with you. Uh, and, 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 and not even just music and stuff, because you know, we, we don't want to expand it here. But if you look at it, most of those people in the, the captains, especially, they almost never live in what we would consider futuristic homes. Almost every one of them has like a log cabin with some with some space tech around it. But nobody yeah, lives in like yeah. a Jetsons home, even though right? you got to sure. assume people would. If you if you work in space, you don't want to live in space when you're not at the job. <laughs> right. So like, jo- Johnny League suggests 3D chess as hey, and welcome, Johnny. something that's. Yeah. Hey, Johnny. Hello, Johnny. And Elaine Sweatman says the book Kingdom of Elysian. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's a good suggestion. Oh, Those are great suggestions. Good one. Right. Yeah. And, and we th- know that there's still um, people still write books. People still write stories because that's what um, Jake Sisko is doing. Jake Sisko. You know. Right. And we know right. that his, at least in the in the visitor version of the future, he had books and stories that were very popular, and you know yep. people would come to see him and and that and that sort of thing. So there's still, I mean, we still yes. got composers. You still have an art scene. You still have popular writers going on in the 24th century right well, uh, speaking of people who who write uh, compose who write novels or holo novels you have the emh from voyager that's right photons <laughs> be free <laughs> there it, you go and it, and it seems like that's uh the the biggest popular entertainment that we've seen in the 24th century is hologram hol- uh, yeah. hol- holodex hol- absolutely hollow novels i mean yeah. they they reference those all the time i mean yeah. whether the 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 ones that Quark's peddling or, <laughs> you know, the, the classier ones, you know, and things like <laughs> Photon Be Free that have a big cultural impact, you know, that, I mean, he, he, the doctor essentially started a, a an uprising or revolution amongst the, um, amongst, you know, other EMHs, the ones that for whatever reason yeah. they were sent to work in the mines and, right. you know, that they were inspiring them, you know, that, that just like today, uh, you know, some groundbreaking piece of work may come out that would inspire people to to push for more rights and to speak up. Mm-hmm. You know so, that, that sort of thing's still going on in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, what what would you envision? Because one of the things is, of course, when you're looking at Star Trek by the fault, you're looking at the military, and I'm going to say the military. You're looking at the yeah. military, the diplomatic corps, and so forth. So you're looking at people who already have certain, you know, maybe certain lifestyles. But if just the average Federation dude. Do yeah. you think that they still have anything akin to television? I know twice they said they didn't. In the neutral zone, they said, I think Data said television didn't last past a certain time. And then, of course, there's bread and circuses where the proconsul says to Kirk, when he was talking about the ratings of the show they were going to have when they were going to kill them, he looks at Kirk and goes, oh, yeah, I, I, your, your century is beyond anything as crude as television. So do you think that they would still have literally television, like an, seriously, an NBC or all that kind of well, stuff do. where people just go home and plop up on the couch? Yeah, we saw that on Picard and we've seen it on Lower Decks that there is a Federation news service mm-hmm. and they have, I mean, their broadcasts look very similar to our current TV news broadcasts. So you think they would still have shows like, you know, somebody would just go home in the twenty in 2375 and watch like Three's Company <laughs> with, with <laughs> right. aliens instead of humans or right. their equivalent of friends or something like that. I mean, I, I don't think that they would be beyond that kind of entertainment, do you? Even though they kind of hint mm-hmm. that they're beyond those simplistic entertainment like that. And that's why I think that and, and this kind of brings me to uh, Andor. 
because mm-hmm. Andor is very much it's 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 a Star Trek show, but it's not the big ships and the pew pew and all that kind of stuff. It's the everyday people mm-hmm. living mm-hmm. in the Empire. Right. I, I think we need an an everyday run of the mill guy and girl in the Federation. You know, like right. what's life on Earth? Let's just have a show that's set in the 24th century, but not set in space. Yeah. Even if it's just I, a one time off a one series of 10 episodes, just do something different. Yeah. Cause I think they would still have sitcoms and they would still sure. have drama shows. And of course yeah. they would be three dimensional holograms that you, you could probably literally step into, but I don't think yeah. um, I'm going to, you know, cross streams here, kind of do like what you did, Alan uh, talking about and or Babylon five has an episode where there's this, comedy duo that comes and i forget their name it was something like lenny and zoot or something like that and they have this really stupid catchphrase that they go zoot, 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 and it's really <laughs> silly and even people like captain sheridan the commander of b5 is a fan right and yeah. some of the people like lando right. is like what are you talking about and it's literally one of those you got people who are almost snobbish and then everybody is oh they're great they're great and they're just yeah. really some stupid comedy duo. And I tend to think <laughs> that would still exist in the 24th century in the track world. We just don't see mm. it. Well, we did see on Lower Decks, well, we saw references to the choo-choo dance. That yeah. The sisters were a popular Good act. Point. And, yeah. you know, you got your choo-choo shirt. Veronica has a choo-choo shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's so, still at least dance fads and things like that. Yeah. Matt brings up a good point that I was thinking of earlier, but I couldn't think of a way to phrase it. And Matt's got it. Uh, There's also pop culture, not contemporary with the show, but that is specific to Trek. Captain Proton or Dixon Hill. Those are definitely retro things that aren't pre-existing things. Right. But I think they're, yeah, they're they're definitely supposed to be things that are from the 20th century and the Trek universe, though. Exactly. But they're things that Trek came up with, basically. Right. So you don't have to pay Dashiell Hammett. (laughs) <laughs> exactly <laughs> right also i want to call out matt matt a minute ago said that uh way to eden was guilty pleasure <laughs> for us all and then was it tony bowers who said space hippies yep and welcome awesome. tony yep space hippies in space there you go so i think i think what we're saying is and i and i think it's always been very interesting um to me roddenberry is somewhat like george lucas and some other creators which is when you take over their property you sometimes take it in ways where they probably didn't want it to go after a while. Oh, yeah. And I do know, you know, and I do know things like this. Some of this, what we would even call lowbrow humor, like before the show started, we were all talking about some old comedy groups that we did or didn't like, like Abbott and Costello. And um, uh, what were the other ones? Uh, Three Stooges. Laurel and Hardy. Laurel Three and, Hardy. and I think Roddenberry, as he got older, felt that literally humanity was going to be like almost too good for that kind of lowbrow humor. But at the same time, I think it goes back to the very thing they said about humans. You still need to do silly stuff to be human, kind of like on the shore leave planet, you know, that advanced yeah. civilization. They said, play. You got to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, but not everybody that exists in the future is going to be highbrow. As long exactly. as you've got like a, a shipping line of. Exactly. I don't care. You're going to have people who I mean, it's just the nature. of Everybody likes crass humor once in a while. Right. You know, Absolutely. Yeah. I don't I don't care who you are. <laughs> and then there's also the phenomenon of, um, you know, different cultures remaking one another's art. And I think yeah. I think Julian referenced that at one point in the show that, you know, that about humans retelling um, alien stories in, in mm-hmm. theater. 
But then also yeah. you have famous examples like Shakespeare and the original Klingon and things yes. like that, you know, where, <laughs> you know, as you, as these cultures intermingle, it's, it's only natural that you would translate stories or remake them. And, right. you know, to suit different cultures. What I, I think it's fascinating, too. I mean, I, is there a is there a Klingon version of Laurel and Hardy? <laughs> you know? Wouldn't that be interesting to see I think a Klingon stand up comic? Yeah. Like what what humor would would right. you know, rattle the rib cage of a of a Klingon warrior? I they think it would have Worf cracking fasc- up. <laughs> it would be like Worf telling jokes, I think. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, you yeah. you. you You've got to be thinking now that you said that, because then you have cultures that constrain what you can do, such as in Cardassia, um, all like all the murder mysteries and stuff. Right. You always know who who did it because there was a, there right. was some conversations between there yeah. was what some great literature that Garrick had Julian reading. And it was like mm-hmm. super dry. Yeah. And, you know, but because the whole point was to teach that lesson, kind of like their courts where you're guilty and there's no doubt you're going to be guilty. Right. That was the never ending sacrifice was that story that it's the same story generation after generation and it just goes on forever. <laughs> but I was thinking I, just last night I was watching that um, that episode where Worf was on trial for blowing up the freighter and you have that Klingon mm-hmm. lawyer mm-hmm. and he approaches yes. the law the same way Klingons exactly. approach everything. So would a Klingon yeah. stand up comic be ready to slay the audience? Yes. <laughs> you know? Oh, my gosh. That's such a good but, point, Charles. Yeah. Excellent. That they would, they with, would bring that different cultures would bring their ethos into all these different professions, you know. Exactly. But but here's the thing: given what you're saying, you know, not, I'm being very serious here, t- uh, t- following what you guys are saying. Would you? Could you be in the on the stage and start poking fun at Martok or Kang? I mean, you could know you what? do? How that? often do the stand-up comics get stabbed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. joke because is it, without honor. <laughs> Because, because again, what's so funny in our world right now, and and matter of fact, if you look at the four or five most powerful countries on the planet after us, you couldn't do that. Now here, you can have a White House roast. And I remember when um, Seth Meyers did the, um, the, the, was it the correspondence dinner? It was a, a Barack Obama's last year. And he was just riffing on how Barack Obama came in as super young and handsome. And he looked like an old gray haired man and his wife. You, can you imagine doing that to Putin <laughs> or to Martok? Well, Martok well, might be cool. Martok, I like Martok. I, yeah, I think Martok yeah. would be cool. Galron, on the other hand, would not yeah. be cool. <laughs> Galron would get the exactly. eyes at you first. <laughs> <laughs> he does not forgive or forget. <laughs> right and I think, and you, I think there are some cultures that I, I love what you guys are saying. You got me thinking in a way I hadn't thought. There are some cultures where they would probably want to do it, but their government, their society wouldn't let them. Romulans. I can't see you having a stand-up comedian in Romulans. I, I just can't yeah. see that. But um, I'm not sure that we've seen enough aspects of Romulan society to mm. know that that could be a possibility, though. Because, again, it's just like with start with the Federation, we only see basically the military side of it. We don't see the average Romulan living in their home. You know, there's got to be Romulans with a sense of humor somewhere. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. That's the point. Yeah. So do you, so do you think in that time they still basically would have celebrities, Lily Trevor? And I don't, I don't want to be flip, but would they still have Beyonce Knowles and (laughs) Chris Rock types and people like that, Lily traveling around the Federation and B5, they did. Do you think in a world of yeah. federation they would have that? You know, comedy tours and and music tours where people act just like yeah. us nowadays. Yeah, yeah, like a USO tour. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Well, I mean, just like uh, you know, the, you have the 
the troop on the Enterprise who was performing Shakespeare. I imagine there's yeah. a lot of troops that, yeah, troops as in the in the performance sense, traveling right. around performing yeah. for different groups and distant colonies. You know, probably it's a big sure. deal for a colony when, um, sort of like the old vaudeville days when when the the acts come into town, it'd probably be yes. a, a big deal for them or like a, a traveling circus things exactly. like that. Exactly. Uh, that, that'd be really fascinating. It'd be interesting it be- too to see what different, like for instance, an, like another another an alien race may have a very different view of what our classics are than what we have. They Ooh. may look at it and say, "Yo, Shakespeare was not very good, but this Three Stooges, this is yeah. this is genius." You know, <laughs> where, the, yeah, where humans like, wouldn't appraise themselves that way. That's a good point. Um, Keith's Facebook friends, uh, what's his name, Keith? Uh, CW. CW. Wayne. Okay. Says, makes me think that we're fortunate that Klingons lack a sense of humor. (laughs) And Matt says he wants to see a Temerian stand up comedian. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That would be amazing. (laughs) That would be awesome. And if if you're listening on the audio podcast, Veronica has joined the show. Welcome to the show, Veronica. Hi. Hi. (laughs) And I wanted to share it's not. Troops, T R O O P S. It's right. Troops, T R O U P S. Yes, yes, but T-R-U-P-S. I was saying O U P E S. Yes, correct. I'm still stuck on naked naked, so I didn't know that. I'm right. that alone. <laughs> it's like the difference between theater and theater. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Okay. So, so yeah, Veronica, we were saying what we just have normal comedians and musicians and fans in the 24th century like we have now. No, everybody's not super sophisticated. All they do is read Shakespeare all day long. No, no, they cannot be. Uh, this is sort of a side question. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't want to I don't want to do, uh, dwell too long on this one, but I'm just curious to mm-hmm. know, since we've mentioned B5, what other shows do you think have done uh, a, a pop culture in its world? better than Trek. Like, can you think of examples of something that has actually created an art form, a music form or something in its world? Star Wars is the first thing that's been oh, to my mind with like, the, yeah. like the, the cantina band of and course. the Jabba's palace, you know, right. there's, um, and that was right off the bat in the first Star Wars movie. You have the cantina band that already you've got, it was basically a jazz band, but with aliens, with alien instruments. Right. Exactly. Uh, CW says, I wish the show producers could see this episode. <laughs> Romulan's at home. I'd pay to see that. <laughs> I want to see the Three Stooges Klingon version where they're right. using batlets instead of pies and oh. really poking each other's eyes out and things. <laughs> It'd be sticks. a very bloody Three Stooges. Oh, that would be great. That would be great. Oh, yeah. The Jetsons. Oh, yeah. The Jetsons. There was like 60s style futuristic bands and things like that. Yeah. Yes. I Jane think Futurama has done point. a lot of good stuff with that too. That's yeah, true. yeah. Um, I hate to go there, go here, but in the first season, there was that weird hologram thingy Riker had going on in his quarters, where he just there was these two women, and then he was kind of grinning at it, and then I don't, oh, I don't know, was that a like a romance novel he was going to watch, or <laughs> you know the one I'm talking about? Yeah, was, I hadn't thought about that. I don't think it was a novel. <laughs> well, I know. That's why I said I'm, I'm kind of hesitating to go there, but it was some kind of entertainment. And I'll just leave it there. Oh, it was. Well, it wasn't literature. <laughs> but they do also have video games because we saw that in the game. Yeah, that's where that's everyone's, right. you know, that that's, I mean, that's pop culture as well. That there's maybe Excellent popular games point. that go around, ones that right. don't take over your brain. 
Well, so sure. a, a question I had jotted down was I would assume that in the 24th century, at least on Earth and Federation, everybody has access to holographic technology. And you really wouldn't need a hollow deck and a hollow suite to at least have like 3D sound and pictures even in your home. So I wonder would sometimes things like um, television, sitting down watching somebody else's scripted programming would that fade because you could just step into something you want? Like you could live any adventure you yeah. want. And you know those books, like yeah. those old choose your adventure books and shows? Oh, and every, yeah. and every now and then some streaming service does something. I wonder would it be like that a lot? Like instead of sitting down and watching mm. friends, you just want to you do your own adventure in the at home. Mm. Oh, and I if there's totally people think who think like good. No. <laughs> if there's people who think like, oh, I can't change the ending, this is lame. You know, I, I I have to I have to read Macbeth, and the ending's gonna be the same every time. I'm yeah, like, you that's know? a good point. <laughs> I want to um, be Macbeth. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like the characters are programmed and, based on whatever the thing is, and they react based on what you what you do. Exactly. Just yeah. like it's, it's just like simple AI. Just like Data's right. recreations of the Sherlock Holmes, where you step into the character role yourself. Mm-hmm. 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 Right. Elaine says, apparently they still watch sports in the future. That is true. Archer is always watching water polo on the Enterprise. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, we're always hearing about Parisi. Is, is it Parisi Squares? Is Parisi that the Squares, one? yeah. We're always yeah. hearing about those tournaments. I don't think we ever saw it. And then I guess on Earth, there's people cheering that crazy Ambo Jutsu. I mean, it's got to be a sport. So. <laughs> yeah. And But also, there's still places out there where people are playing baseball. Because that's the three. They have the Pike City Pioneers. That's oh, right, good point. Know. Forgot about yeah. that one. See, I, I expect that if you're just like an average Joe in the Federation, that you can watch sports from across the galaxy and you can watch mm-hmm. plays and... I mean, I, with that, you would think that the holodecks that our our characters would have the top of the line, yeah, holodecks, sure. and right. they still almost get murdered by them a lot. So I imagine how <laughs> sketchy the holodecks are like on colonies, right? <laughs> I, I, I think it's 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 um I think what you were saying, Alan, makes so much sense, and that is that there's two things. One, there's in real life, there's there's paying for like current music, and then as we were also saying. There's if you write, say, music for Star Trek, mm-hmm. it, it dates it. And so sometimes it's kind of hard to know. Of course, in our case, it'd be a couple of centuries before they get around going, man, the war were they off? You know, that, yeah. that kind of thing. <laughs> right. But yeah, I tend to think that they would do a, a lot more of the stuff like the novels. And and I and again, I, I cite B5. They had a traveling comedy group going around. So I think that must be going on in the Federation. We just don't yeah. Yeah. You know, know about it. Yeah. Well, I'd like to see more of that kind of thing. So hopefully the, the new shows will continue. I mean, continue sh- showing us the them watching the classics and listening to the classics, but also keep expanding the Federation and the civilian life, because I think that's yeah. fascinating. Absolutely. Wow. So that means there's a TMZ in the future. That's a show idea. <laughs> reporting on Kirk's love life. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy, that's a great, oh my God. Because, you know, I talked about doing a medical drama in Trek and doing a police procedural drama in Trek. Why not have a TMZ style Trek too? Ooh, that's so cool. (laughs) That'd be awesome. That would pull in a whole different audience. (laughs) Right, maybe. Yeah, that's for sure. All right. All right. Well, let, let's transition over to talking about Star Trek Prodigy because I think we're going to have a lot to say about Star Trek Prodigy this week. Uh, Veronica, <laughs> did you want to give out a spoiler warning? Ooh, yes. 
Spoilers. Okay, great job. <laughs> wow. And that's spoilers for Star Trek Prodigy Preludes, which aired yeah. today, um, yep. which was fascinating. I thought it was a really interesting episode. Yeah. I did, too. Boy, it was backstory too. overload. It was. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! It was. It yeah. kind of caught me off guard because I didn't expect that. And, and but I was. But you know, we talked about this before. There, it looks like they're not stretching these mysteries and stuff out too long. We're not going to go mm-hmm. two or three years still saying, "Boy, I wonder if Janeway's going to figure out that such and such." I mm-hmm. like yeah. the pacing, and so yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I like the backstory. I, the Rock Tuck one, I did not expect at all. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I did not expect that. Yeah. So we got we got backstories on how some of these characters came to Tars Lamor, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. we got backstory on um, Jamila Jamil's character, Asentia. Thank right. you. I couldn't remember the name. And then we get a little bit of backstory on the Diviner himself. Right. right. And then Janeway starts to launch into a little backstory about Molly. So we, man, it was just like, let's pause and learn everything we can about all these characters. Yeah. It was yeah. interesting. I thought it was- it's kind of cool though. I mean, it's yeah. like let's get all this out of the way and have an episode where they're just yeah, they're they're stopped and yeah. everyone's just sort of chilling for an episode and we'll just find out who <laughs> what happened. <laughs> but and okay, here's here's the thing though, Rock. We so we found out the situation that she was in when she got captured and delivered to Tars Lamora. How did mm-hmm. she get in the situation that we saw her in? That's how the thing I she, wonder too. How, right, like because she's a child, right? She yes. was a child, yeah. basically. Yes, I don't know where are her people. What what what, what right. happened? You're right. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing I didn't get. So I still got questions. <laughs> and I expect that the the guy that she was sort of fake dueling may not even know that she was an eight year old girl. Yeah, that's true. He just knows this is a creature. That's very true. Because so what do we think a... about her that backstory? That was pretty interesting. I like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's... I wish I the think... guy hadn't been a douchebag. <laughs> it, no. it wasn't him. He was fine. It was, yeah. Yeah. He kind of sort of reminded me of uh, Dr. Is it Mora, the guy who, oh, yeah. who who helped raise Odo. Because right. remember, Odo, mm. Odo resented him because he didn't, some ways, know how to raise, raise Odo. And there was the whole thing, Odo's name and how people made fun of Odo. And, and like sometimes people who are picked on who resort to humor, Odo used to do faces at, for the pleasure of the Cardassians. And so her, her background kind of sort of reminded me of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I can see that. And, and I liked that backstory. I liked, and it makes a lot of sense of why she, they sort of wanted her in the security role and she doesn't want to do the security yeah. role. Yes. Like yeah. she's yeah. very turned off by all that. Yeah. But I, I got to say though, I don't care for laser swords in Star Trek. I'm happy to leave the laser swords over in Star Wars and Star Trek be something different, you know? I didn't even think yeah. about that. That's a good yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. One comment I had to make on this show is I never thought I'd see the Kazon again. Oh a lot God. of Kazon. <laughs> yeah, there was, they were in like every backstory because it was them that was capturing people. and Yeah. Delivering yeah. Slaving yeah. around the galaxy, yeah. Right. Ugh. Useless. You're <laughs> telling me... The Kazon who couldn't find a way to produce water in the uh, Voyager pilot can yeah. capture a Medusan. Well, I would expect well, it's a different Kazon sect or order or yes. whatever they call uh, it. The whatever they were called, I mean, yeah. I mean, competent yeah. ones? <laughs> right, yeah. It's not yeah. Kazon Nistra or whomever. So these are the good Kazon on the other side of the quadrant. <laughs> I thought about that one in the in, in Zero's backstory though, that yeah, like, oh, he's getting captured by the Kazon. How embarrassing. 
okay. And what? Okay, what was up? This is like an ET thing. What was up the rest of his, uh, Zero's not a he. What was up with the rest of Zero's people when they were being chased and Zero was trying to get to the ship and the ship's like, we're out. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I know, right? I know. <laughs> it was ET. Maybe they just didn't do a head count. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Zero's like, buddy, They're you know, like, hold your hand, buddy. But they yeah. can't hear the little kid that's out yeah. of the side of the ship running for <laughs> their life. Yeah, or maybe Medusans just are different from humans. Maybe they don't. They're like, well, everybody who can make it can make it. It's the best for the for the all, you know. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Maybe gonna, what, maybe one is an acceptable loss. I'm going to seriously cross the stream, Sir Charles, and say like the Harfoots and the Lord of the, of the po- Rings of Power. And if anybody who's seen that, there's a whole thing about leaving people behind. Because I was like, mm-hmm. I was in my, I was watching. Well, let's see. Yeah, he won't be listening. I was watching this at work, and uh, <laughs> I, I was sitting there going, wait a minute, you just left them behind. I also thought, uh, aside, the Medusan ship was cool. It, the Medusan it ship, look. it looked like the Medusan ship from the uh, the remastered version with the new special effects of yeah. the original uh, series. Yeah, it does. Yeah, they, okay. they recreated that ship in a lot of respects. Yeah. And I, I thought, thought that was a I thought was super a cool, touch. cool touch. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Sounded like a, sound like a dinosaur. <laughs> Again. I never watched the remasters, so I didn't know that. Well, next time you do, the Medusan ship's in there, and it looks like this ship. <laughs> kind of cool. Yeah. Um, one thing I thought was actually kind of interesting, too, because I always say this is a kid's show, but it has some good emotional beats. It was It's wild when some of these people would tell their story, and it would intersect with, um, mm. with uh, when again? But because she was there at some of this, yeah. and you know, she was, and so that that kind of guilt that she would have to deal with, I thought that was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, and so, then we have Jenkin Pog. Yep. And I, and I thought that previously he said he was on a generational ship, but are he, they just conflating generational ships with cryo ships? I think, I think so. Yeah. I was lower decks has done that too. I was wondering about that myself, like yeah. generation ship in the sense that it takes generations to get where you're going. Not that generations have lived. Yeah. I, I thought that was kind of a confusing point as well. Right. I thought that was a strange one because I still can't understand what was going on. Was that robot just completely glitched and making him do that? And I also, the, the <laughs> you're, you're the, analyzing it too much, buddy, <laughs> but, but why? Because it has to explain why he refers to himself as Jenkin Pog. Jenkin Pog will go and do it. Now you know why he says that. Okay, but what I'm missing is, was he literally the only person who could repair the ship? Why did it go to him? I, I, well, I don't... it didn't go to him. He the his his thing was triggered by the rock that hit the the hull, and then mm-hmm. the hull did the thing, and then the piece fell on the thing. And, right. Yeah. And so then a he, robot malfunction. Okay. Yeah. And so there was a malfunction. It literally was like, okay, your weight, go fix everything. And luckily he could. Uh, basically, okay. yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I didn't think the resolution made sense where he basically said something to the effect of there wasn't enough oxygen. So he's yeah. going to leave the ship. But I'm like, but you've been fixing everything. So they could die after you leave. Right. Well, and they're in yeah. cryo sleep. How much air do they need? Right. That's see, that's I didn't get that either. That's what makes sense because literally the robot was saying something defective because you were he was freaking out. He was hyperventilating. He was basically going to kill everybody. Like we can't take that much oxygen. Well, and h- here's the other thing: doesn't this ship have the ability to like recycle air? Right. Absolutely. And also, Absolutely. 
And also, what if the little robot had said, there's not enough air for the 29 people on the ship? And he, what if he said, well, what if uh, for the 30 ship, for the people on the ship? And he said, well, what if there's 29? And she goes, well, sorry, there's not enough air for only 15 of them. <laughs> then what <laughs> right. do you do? <laughs> just chuck just half of them out? <laughs> yeah, you can get... Right, you can get really morbid after that. You can you can go back and they're like the robot. You you, you keep saying like a little uh, cryo chamber getting ejected from the ship. <laughs> yeah, I love the little robot though. I thought it was adorable. Yeah, yeah, I thought the it was, robot was cool. Yeah, I'm also not fond okay. of cute robots in Star Trek. I know that. <laughs> cute robots and laser swords. I feel like those have been done. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was probably my least favorite of them, even though I liked it because I was getting stuck on some stuff. Matt corrects you. They're phaser swords, Charles. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, only after the first pilot. <laughs> CW says, you guys are totally destroying these writers' plot devices. <laughs> yes, yes. I think they'll be and, okay. <laughs> and and that's the thing. When, when you're doing a backstory on a series of characters and you've got like three minutes per character, you can't get too you know, yeah. involved in what's going on with like, you know, having there be a, a super deep reason and rationalizing why he just walks out of the ship in order for 29 people who are in cryo mm, to have right. air to breathe. Right. You know, you just got to let it go. But they covered a lot of ground in this episode. Yeah, they, did. they really um, did. And really the big one story wise is the diviners backstory. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah. Which is super complex. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, I, needs more I than the three you. minutes it got. <laughs> right. I, I got to tell you, watching that, I'm thinking, I wouldn't want you guys in the Federation. Uh, <laughs> right. Those people got issues. I mean, right. yeah. because think about this. Literally, an interstellar organization comes to you and says, hey, we'd like you to join us. And they get so pissy within their own civilization <laughs> that they destroy their own civilization because they argued over it. And now they want to come back and destroy everybody else's civilization. Like, what? Seriously? Right. That doesn't make any sense. Like, right. Federation didn't cause this discourse. You guys killed yourselves because you're nuts. Because you're yeah. dumb dumbs. <laughs> well, and then it, it sounded like Chakotay, the protostar went through a temporal vortex into the Delta right. Quadrant. So right. He was lost in the, like, that's bad luck man getting lost in the oh, yeah. twice <laughs> yeah right yes. if he wasn't even so aiming for that and then he just ends up right like, ah nuts not again <laughs> but also it was a temporal thing yeah it was he was so uh, is so he, he's not is he's not in the current timeline for yeah, Janeway to find is he he's in the future, he's in the future. yeah he's in and the future because they sent the ship yeah. back right without right. crew on it so he's still like 30 years or whatever it is in the future yeah, on Tars, uh, not on Tars Lamora, but on Solom, the planet. Solum. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. So Janeway's been looking for this guy, and he's not even around. Yeah, yeah. that's so interesting. I know. So are we that's gonna find so Chakotay, cool. or is at some point in the future? Right. <laughs> I don't know, I don't man. Know. But I want to know what they're gonna do with Janeway. Oh, yeah. Yes. I I also want to know how she learned that they were kidnapped, like. Where was that information found? Like the who was kidnapped? The the, the, the kids were kidnapped. Like well, finding out they were kids, obviously. Yeah. But if there's information out there that these kids had been kidnapped, right? Why was it not a thing that was easily found previously? Sure. Yeah, I, I don't know. May, I don't know how much information was on that warrant, or how much they know about Tars Lamora. They may know that Tars Lamora was, uh, yeah. 
like a slave place. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Maybe. I wondered a little bit about that as well. Yeah, there's In which definitely. Case, why didn't you know that the diviner was the slave person? Oh, I don't know. There. I don't know. Well, they don't know that the guy that they have in custody is the diviner, right? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, damn it! I just had a thing. It's gone. It's <laughs> okay, gone. I hate that. Dang it! Yeah. So yeah, there's still I still like some more explanation on this backstory. Um, yeah. Or it might be better if they just stop explaining it and just continue on with the story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I feel like that's what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because I'm thinking this race went through a super elaborate plan to get back at the Federation. When I mean, how do they yeah. have time travel? Well, they oh, went with the anomaly. The Never mind. Never mind. With the anomaly. I know. I know. I'm dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm with it now. Um, I, I just had the thing in my head again, and now it's gone again. I can't. It's like slippery, like an eel. Right. I'm looking at that. I'm looking at that race, and and I and I and I just dropped the episode where he said it. But I remember one episode of the original series. Kirk was talking to someone, and he says, "Your problem is within yourselves." And basically, he was telling not try to blame everybody else to solve their own problems. And I'm looking at this race, and they got they're like they're almost like mustache twirling bad villains because like yeah, we're gonna do all these ships, and every ship has a what is the dreadnought on it, and we're gonna do the construct. And all the whole time, I'm thinking. If you took all that energy and, and hatred and funneled it internally, just rebuild your society. Yeah. Um, or even just, go, you know, or even just go old school and build an old school invasion fleet. But man, they got some elaborate plans. And I'm thinking, <laughs> well, you guys are jacked up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm interested to see where they go with it. Um, yeah. Like I said, I, I'm, are they going to find Chakotay? I hope that's not all Chakotay gets. Chakotay no, I think, I think there's more. No, there's yeah, got to be more. They they could there's not no have lured him back yeah, just to do that, that little bit. Yeah, well, that could be. I mean, at some point, the story's got to take their turn. It could be exactly. that the prodigy goes to, to Solom in the future to find Chicote. Very possible. Know? Like that, very they possible. could do whatever they want with the show. So it's, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I was a little surprised that Janeway just barged into Asinchia's cabin without knocking, but yeah. I'm glad she didn't because there was a killer robot there. It, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So every one um, of their ships has one of those robots then, right? That's what yeah. they are. There's going to be more of them out there. Yeah. yeah. CW says, like I said, I wish the producers could see this show. A lot of good ideas flying around. Hey, well, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I so think if anyone so... has connections, send our <laughs> podcast yeah. information to the right. official Star Trek. Paramount. I'm, I'm, I'm sure they're watching. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, like you said, we're talking about uh, Chicote. I agree with you. There's got to be more for Chicote because everybody knows Robert Belchin wouldn't have come back for just like a, right. a quick thing. And also, this being Trek, at some point in time, they're going to have to somehow contrive to have Janeway go to the future and do what Star Trek does, which is talk a race down. You know, she's going to yeah. have to. She's going to have yeah. to somehow go into the future and, and, and negotiate with those people and get everybody on the same page. So I think she will end up in the future with Chicote. Or with Janeway being Janeway, she may undo Solon's history and fix yeah. it. Hmm. Um, Janeway is not a Janeway is not beyond um. change in the past. <laughs> <laughs> if it comes down to Janeway, makes the hard calls, man. But but oh. it's not. But Janeway wouldn't, from her perspective, be changing the past because That's for her, it has not the, happened yet. Yeah, she might lay future. groundwork for what happens. To, yeah. So from yeah, it's 
timey wimey <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> but you know i've been expecting at some point not anytime soon but at some point that there would be that moment where janeway finally confronts the kids and that's when she finds out that they aren't criminals they're not thieves they're not they mm -hmm. didn't steal the ship they're just kids and mm -hmm. she's now already found that out i think right. that's really I, I just didn't expect that information mm -hmm. to come to her the way that it did and it to be sort of a downplayed moment where she's right. like oh hey they're just kids they're just in a situation that's you know, over their head. They're, they're not right. bad. And I didn't expect that revelation to come to her in the way that it did. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Me I feel robbed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad though the Federate that, that they're figuring things out. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. You know, totally like, agreed. I, you don't want to see the Starfleet crew fly around clueless for half the season. Right. You know, when mm -hmm. we when we the audience already have those answers that I, I like that they're smart and they're working things out and sure, you know, that killer robot. Can, didn't make it too long on the ship without being found, <laughs> you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought it was so something good. interesting. Um, the lady, the other lady from his his people, she said somewhat contemptuously um, of the diviner that he seemed excited when he saw the first ship approach. Mm. So I thought that was a very interesting little point. She she was her mindset seems to have been she never ever thought it was a good idea but she mentioned that he looked with some excitement when the ship came so maybe at one point in time he was open to it right um, yeah but then he saw the result as well so maybe he will actually be flipped maybe he'll be the key to negotiations hmm. at some point that's interesting maybe. that's a good point yeah yeah hmm. yeah and, well, and interesting ways that they could go with it mm -hmm. i do i do think that's a possibility because he basically has gwen who is on the Federation side of things now, who yeah. would be that extra influence on him. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be sort of like a battle of wills between Ascentia and, and Gwen for the Diviner's allegiance. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. That's going to be interesting. Well, going to be like, that's definitely what's going to happen. It <laughs> <laughs> could be interesting. Right. Their people must be one of those kind of psycho xenophobe races because even if they could go back to the to the anomaly, they literally could have sent one ship and gone to the Federation and say, hey, can you stay away? Literally just yeah. say, stay away. Yeah. They're like, no, nah, we're going to back and destroy the entire Federation. So they're just yeah. one of those crazy races that just like, you know, they just want to take you out. And we've had some of those yeah. in Star Trek before where they're truly mm -hmm. alien in a strange way. Right. Yeah. Well, they, they yeah, they want to do um, like undo the Federation entirely, which. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you know, it seems it does, it does seem extreme. <laughs> well, it's kind of yeah. like Nero. What's that? Kind of like Nero from Star Trek 2009. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, it's very Nero-ish. You know what I always think about when people do stuff like that? When they like they want to take out the Federation or something like that? I always think, okay, you take out the Federation and say you let's say you bring the Federation to its knees. Don't you know the Klingons and the Romulans and the Cardassians are going to drift the over there? Yeah, you just brought more trouble on yourself. <laughs> I don't know that they know all of that, though. Right. Yeah, they wouldn't you know, know that. Yeah. Yeah. But one day they look up and the ship, the skies would be filled with a whole different set of ships. Here, and you no, no negotiation. Here's the thing. They're in the Delta Quadrant. The, the best they know is the stupid Kazon. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Because right. and eight four seven two is cool, right? They went back to their space and they're not coming back, yeah, right? Exactly. Exactly. We'll uh, the Herosian. What if they showed up? Yeah. <laughs> they're always looking for somebody to hunt. 
Right. God, I love the Herojin. <laughs> I would I love the Herojin to show up. <laughs> Me too. Heck <laughs> yes. All right. Well, it sounds like we're all still pretty positive about it, you know, with some with some yeah. reservations. But this is this is past the drop off point that we had in some of the Discovery seasons and in Picard season two. So it's doing pretty well. <laughs> That's true. <Yeah. laughs> I think it was a, it was a good episode. You know, my little nitpicks about some of the plot stuff. It was they this episode did one of those good good things where they blended kind of what is a kid show with this kind of a Star Trek show for us adults who like it. And it was, it was a good fast paced show. I thoroughly enjoyed this one. They, they blended it just enough. I was, I was uh, pleased with everything that I got. And I love that the plot keeps moving on. As you said, we don't want two or three seasons where they're still bumbling around trying to figure it out. So I like that. Yep. All right. Well, a couple of announcements. Uh, one, a lot, uh, this past year, we took we took part in the Captain Picard Week podcast festival, which yeah. a bunch of podcasts came together and did a, a Captain Picard Week. And um, you can feel you can go back and rewatch our episode or listen to it on our podcast that that's still out there. But we've been invited back to participate in the Captain Picard Week podcast festival again. <laughs> yeah, so that'll be taking awesome. place it'll be i'm not sure that the, the festival goes from february 9th to 15th it's sort of the week leading up to the premiere of picard season three on the 16th of february okay um nice. but i don't have our date just yet the scheduling mm-hmm. is still still up in the air so we'll we'll keep everybody appraised but we'll also be promoting the other podcasts that's kind of the point of it is all these podcasts mm-hmm. coming together promoting one another supporting one another and maybe you'll find a show that you like you can be your new second favorite star trek podcast <laughs> and um you know we'll, 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 we'll keep posting about it and, and as more information comes out <laughs> Uh, but also, um, uh, uh, we mentioned last week, and I mentioned on the Facebook page now, our Facebook group, that we have uh, the Earth Station Trek Hotline. Yes! If, if you dial on your phone, 307-387-1701, that'll connect you to a voicemail message with a cute little message from Veronica. Hi. And you can leave a comment, a question, <laughs> me. you can an opinion about Star Trek that you have, just something that you want to get out there that we'd love to play your message on the show and respond to it or just play it and let everyone else hear yeah. what you had to say. I think it's fun. I, I mean, you can all, all I mean, always you can just record yourself on your phone as MP3 and email it to us, earthstationtrek at gmail.com. Sure. I think a, a hotline's fun, though. I yeah. think it's fun to call into a hotline and, and hear a message and Absolutely. like the old days. Yeah, and you will and, not have to talk to a human being. You just have to hear yeah. my voice and then not talk to a human. Being. I made sure it was not going to call my phone every time someone <laughs> called in. <laughs> so no, no one's going to answer if you're nervous about that. It's just a voicemail that picks up, and you know, feel free to call and leave a message, and we'd love to hear it. That's right. And once again, that number is three zero seven three eight seven seventeen zero one. That's right. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Alan, where can people find more of you? Uh, go to cosmicpress.com, K O Z M I C press.com. And there you can see the books that I have written and the books by other authors that I have published. And you will see a list of the podcasts that I am involved in. <laughs> wow. Like the, the very diviner. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Keith, you're up. Uh, <laughs> follow that. <laughs> well, you can find me on all the social media Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. <laughs> and I won't fight you. Oh, my God. That's a perfect choice. Go the opposite way. <laughs> <laughs> and how about Maybe. us, Veronica? 
Feltnerdy.com. And? Monkey Around, <laughs> a podcast about the monkeys. That's right. And do you have a closing for us this week? Yes. Jenk and Pog can fix it. Hey, perfect. <laughs> awesome. He's Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.